Hey everyone, welcome to the Oregon Libertarian Podcast. I'm Will Hobson. I'm being joined by Josh from the, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Pineal. Uh, I pronounce it Pineal, but Pineal. You, okay. Yeah. The Pineal Podcast. Uh, and you recently had on Glenn Greenwald, I, I hear on your podcast. That's it's quite an accomplishment. Um, really quickly, can you uh, tell me generally what you like to cover on on your podcast? Well, with Glenn, I just talked about veganism uh, and animal rights because he's a, a vegan and got into that um, actually from meeting a cow and experiencing how beautiful they are. But uh, originally when I first went vegan, uh, it was around the same time that he wrote an article about Smithfield Farms in Utah and they had uh, eight FBI agents um, on the case for these two pigs who were taken uh, from a factory farm because they were going to die uh, by some more, some activists with direct action everywhere who went in to document the conditions. Uh, and actually, that was like six years ago, uh, but the trial just happened um and the jury acquitted them uh at smithfield trial if anyone's curious to look into it um they asserted that they had a right to rescue because of the terrible conditions of the pigs at the factory farm um and so i know that has nothing you know actually it has a lot to do with anti-war but it's uh anti-violence um you know towards our neighbors uh which includes animals and all living beings so uh yeah that's uh that's what I talked to Glenn about. That's really interesting. Um, uh, I was seeing though uh, the the general description for your podcast as far as like the other episodes you cover. You're kind of oh yeah. I mean, I've talked to artists and activists and a guy that uh, struggled with heroin addiction, and I'm kind of just uh, people that. Um, I'm interested to talk to about whatever I'm interested to talk to them about. Oh, that's cool. Like, uh, that's, and that's your podcast. You get to do that. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things to talk about in this world. Aren't there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I wanted to bring you on, um, you know, our podcast, we, we were kind of a little bit more focused on uh, politics and culture and how those kind of two things intertwine. And um, we're uh, obviously a part of the Libertarian Party. And we, uh, you know, our organization is helping uh, put on uh, with a bunch of other organizations, too. We're definitely not the only one. And, you know, not to say that we are like the main one either but that we are uh, putting on a massive uh, anti-war rally that is uh, with the hopes of like uniting the um, people that would, you know, identify themselves as I'll be on the left end of the political spectrum people that would identify as being on the right. But the part that where we all agree is that we're anti-war and anti uh, the slaughter of, you know, the innocent by the state. So um, in mass, which is what war is. So, um, yeah, I wanted to like talk to, uh, some other people that are generally in support of that and, uh, kind of get their views on it. Um, can I, uh, ask you where you first heard about, uh, this rally? Uh, probably on Jimmy Dore's, uh, either show or Twitter feed, um, I've been watching him for a number of years. I actually got to interview him like three weeks ago too. And that was pretty cool. Um, but he, yeah, he, he's, he's involved and I follow a bunch of uh, anti-war activists and what I found to be cool about what's going on here, the uh, vast array of different people and personalities uh, from many different areas of the political spectrum that are all coming together uh, to uh, 
to say that war is wrong and we shouldn't be supporting it uh, and speak forcefully for that, regardless of the other disagreements that they may have with each other, which is something that Americans did back in the 60s when a lot of them were turned on by acid and the peace movement. But it really hasn't happened in a long time uh, in America that people have like gotten up with their neighbors who they disagree with and say, I don't care what we disagree about. War is wrong and we shouldn't be fighting it. Yeah, I, I agree. Of course. Uh, I, I definitely, you know, you said something, uh, you said bubbles and, you know, it just kind of occurred to me that, you know, there's definitely a bubble I kind of got into years ago, which was like the anti, the libertarian anti-war bubble uh, kind of wandering in the political wastes away from the, you know, the anti-war Democrats. It's even funny saying those two words together now, but, you know, the, the democratic party was pretending to be anti-war during the Bush years and then did a complete 180 and went radio silent on the issue. Um, you know, uh, after the election of Obama you know, getting just shivved in the back as someone who, you know, really cared about being anti-war. And, you know, I, I kind of wandered, you know, to different, you know, content creators and different books and different personalities. And I kind of found my way into the libertarian anti-war bubble. But then I, you know, I was kind of comfortable in that bubble and you know i was like okay well cool i guess these were my people these are the anti-war people because i don't i don't see any other anti-war people even though i'm sure they were out there i was just i was comfortable in the bubble i finally found what i guess i had found like an oasis of you know people that thought pretty much like me or at least had the things that i had that were really important on my higher my political hierarchy of needs were being satisfied enough and I, I kind of you know i took on some of the you know those uh I, I guess some of the values of that group because i was like well you know like I'll, I'll read what you have to say and hey i'm convinced this is nice and i think that maybe what why i, I feel like the anti-war movement like people a lot of people probably didn't get stopped being anti-war they just I mean, they probably that it were a decent number of people that probably did, but then I'm sure a lot of anti-war people found their way into different bubbles, and maybe maybe they didn't try as hard to like reach across to other, you know, other spheres of influence and try to like create this kind of collaboration and crosstalk that really seems to be happening now. What? Uh, how, how do you feel about that? What do you feel like you're uh, like the you feel like maybe we were too segmenti segment segmentized in, like in different are areas, not kind of like talking to each other. I kind of feel like that's kind of what happened to the anti-war movement. Yeah, that apathy and propaganda. Um, it's that too. <laughs> yeah, I was I, I, for many years. Right. Um, so was I. You know, it took a. A while to be woken up to these issues. I, I mean, I was in high school when 9-11 happened and I was completely taken by the jingoistic propaganda that was going on back then. And I, uh, it's funny that Roger Waters is now speaking at this thing because uh, eating mushrooms and listening to Pink Floyd certainly uh, helped open my thinking and changing uh, my perspectives on the world. Um, but it, uh, it it as you kind of move your way through the political spectrum if you care to because you know the average american knows very little about what actually goes on and just absorbs little clips through you know cbs or nbc or fox or whatever which is all garbage um and so people aren't really informed and uh, it, they're very good at dividing uh, us and telling us to hate our neighbors. And so I, I voted green for the last three elections. I didn't think Hawkins was a good candidate, but I felt most aligned with them. And at the same time, 
the Greens, what we get 1%, we, as if I'm somehow associated uh, with that party, um, I'm unvaccinated and I hated how they uh, came out pro-mandate and I recognize it wasn't the entire party. But anyways, um, so in, in voting green, getting 1%, you libertarians, you get 2%, uh, or, or, or maybe a little more, but not, not, not scratching five. And, you know, it's like, but we agree on a whole lot of stuff. I'm realizing it's like healthcare is the big difference, but as long as they divide us and they, they do because they silo libertarians as somehow like more associated with conservatism and, and the right. But like there's a what we learned through this pandemic is there's a, a large anti-authoritarian left as well. And I mean, true left, not like the Democratic Party and not, you know, like further left than Bernie Sanders. But like we this pandemic really forced people to like, are you authoritarian or are you libertarian? Um, or anti-authoritarianism. And then in that realm, there's like a whole lot that we agree on. And unless we have conversations with people, we disagree on things, then we're always going to be getting one or two percent because the power of their propaganda is strong. Um, And the average American just doesn't care uh, and doesn't see it. And they're very easily controlled with as Orwell said, alcohol, football, and gambling. So, um, yeah, I know that was just a whole lot there, but I find it to be amazing that all these different speakers are coming together. Um, And it's also been interesting to watch, uh, like on Twitter or on YouTube, people are trying to tear this thing down. Um, Even people like within the Green Party, I don't know within the Libertarians because I follow a bunch more Greens, but there are people like we shouldn't be participating with this because these other people think these other things that we disagree with. Well, it's like, well, are they anti-war? Are they trying to end the wars? Are they trying to free Julian Assange? Well, then maybe we should have a conversation with them and go show that we can be united. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It- I'm kind of in a unique uh, situation where uh, as I've been doing a lot of outreach to these different groups to try to build this, help build this coalition. I'm one of the kind of low level organizers that's been doing kind of outreach. And as I've done more outreach, I've started to see rift in all groups because they do try to keep us divided on the left and right axis of the political compass. Uh, but really the major divide, the really important one is actually not the left and the right. It's the authoritarian versus anti-authoritarian or libertarian, if you want to say that word. I often say anti-authoritarian just because I don't, I really feel like the dialectics, like like people aren't really ready to call themselves libertarian because there's a lot, that word still has a lot of baggage. Uh, even though I call myself a libertarian, I would freely admit the word libertarian has still has a lot of baggage to it that a lot of people aren't really ready to process through but it essentially is the same thing as anti-authoritarian but um that that's the far more important i i feel uh difference uh to me at least is being are you authoritarian or you anti-authoritarian because if you're anti-authoritarian that that's like basically saying i can live my life However, I choose. I could live right next to someone who's all the way on the left and all the way on the right. And if they're all the way on the anti-authoritarian spectrum, they don't, they're not going to care how I live my life as long as I'm not hurting them, you know, or telling them what to do. So um, I think it's far more important that axis. And I really think that our, our side of the political spectrum would naturally be very anti-war. And which is probably why they've wanted to keep us separated for so long, <laughs> because if we ever did, if the, the uh, anti-authoritarian left and right ever did unite, we'd be like, oh yeah, war bad all the time. Like we, we, we'd, we'd almost always be against any kind of a, of a, of a state sponsored, you know, violent conflict. So, um, but uh yeah, uh, I, I am, I'm super excited uh, for this coalition. I and, and again, like I was saying, like the um, 
in the Green Party, in the Libertarian Party, and I think even in the People's Party, I, uh, from reaching out to all these different political parties, there is definitely a like anti-authoritarian versus author authoritarian divide. Even in the Libertarian Party, there were, uh, you know, I, I'm a member of the Mises Caucus, and we actually uh, spent the last few years trying to take over the leadership of the Libertarian Party because we felt like the people in charge were neoliberals. And neoliberals are far more authoritarian than the version of libertarian that the Mises Caucus is, which is, quite frankly, it's much more agorist or uh, anarchist than, than, than the neoliberals. And they, they make a lot of excuses for the national security state, for, you know, um, you know, in the Libertarian Party, there's a lot of pushback about uh, uh, on this rally too. They they say that we're Putin apologists. We we just want to be contrary contrarian, and you know, uh, we don't care about Ukraine's right to self defense. Uh, they they try to uh, uh, you know say you know like they try to attack us on our libertarian bona fides, essentially saying like, okay, you can't support this because that's unlibertarian when we were. We're very clearly anti, you know, you know, our government's involvement in this conflict, which we can clearly delineate. Uh, and, and we have really good thought leaders on this, like Scott Horton, who have like had pretty meticulously, uh, you know, pointed out all the points of which the United States is responsible for this con, you know, this conflict, you know, escalating. Um, over the years uh, and just ignore it. And they just really want to support the U.S. security state. And I don't, I don't get it there. They're actually calling this, uh, this rally pro-war and trying to take away our, you know, trying to take away our, our, our you know, the fact that we're actually anti-war. They're trying to they call us pro-war so we can't call ourselves anti-war because they realize if we can label ourselves as anti-war that we have the moral high, high ground in this and they don't. So um, it's, and it looks like that's happening in the green party. It looks like that's, you know, I guess the people's party had their, uh, had a conflict like a year ago where they were trying to, you know, wrestle for control of the group. So uh, I, it's definitely, I think a great realignment in politics is happening and this, this rally is kind of a microcosm of it. Yeah, it. Uh, I think it scares the establishment. I think you're right in us so. getting together, uh, and then it scares it scares individuals. Uh, I guess when I think about it, like psychologically, those maybe within the Libertarian Party or the Green Party who. It's funny because it's not like either of those parties has any power whatsoever, but maybe the people that work within the bureaucracy of the party uh, have raised themselves to a level of power perceived within the party because they've been there for so long and doing it so long. And now this comes around and it threatens that and it threatens them. And so it's interesting because um, like that's, I, it's the same reason there's war. It's 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 fear that one's going to lose power, um, and and that the the other side uh, craves power, right? It's just a power struggle, um, and I think we're seeing that uh, within the people that are because because even if you disagree with some of the speakers, it's just like shut the f up. Like, I I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast, but just like. Maybe just let them have an anti-war freaking rally for once. It's like maybe now is not the best time to be calling it out. But, you know, to each their own, they're they're allowed to do that. It's just like when when people are finally getting together, maybe support them in doing so. Um, just my take. No, yeah. Uh, I, I'm listening to uh, the Twitter handle uh, Unholy Rome. Uh and uh, he's from Revolutionary Blackout Network. 
Yeah, and, and I don't know him very well. I've seen his tweets before, and I, I think I listened to one or two of his videos before this, but then he, he just released a video on his take on the anti-war rally, and I felt like it was the best good faith, like, I'm not with you guys, but also, like, here, here here's a really honest assessment of the situation where he was like, you know, what are we doing? You know, like, like if you don't like this, instead of spending all this time tearing it down, why don't you build up your own thing and, and make that successful? And, uh, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, I really appreciate that. And like, man, I would have invited you to the rally. Like, this is this is great. Like, yeah, you're a communist. I'm not a communist. I'm pretty against the, the concept of communism, you know, but I understand why you feel the way you do like i have enough empathy and an, enough introspection that i can be like okay i can understand why someone came someone came to how how, the, how someone could come to these beliefs that you have and uh i, I really appreciate the fact that you're anti-war and and we've actually been talking about the organizers for this rally that saying like hey let's if there's a rally that's focusing on being anti-war we should besides ours we should support it we should try to be you know the you know we should try to lead by example saying like hey we're going to support major efforts to stop war even if we don't agree with everyone there like we should try to you know be good examples of that um you know of how to you know carry out our uh continued activism you know not try to tear people down try to build people up and, and and honestly too, um, I, I I really support single issue coalitions because I think it's really important to be able to like get to find everyone's like top priority, knock it out, and then we can go back to fighting. Like if 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 it's really that important that we all agree, let's take care of that, and then we can go back to fighting about other things with the improved situation of the thing that was important to all of us being taken care of, but. I really do think, though, like when you work in coalitions with people for long enough, you do find out how much you actually agree on. Like, I'm in a coalition in Oregon with a bunch of conservatives on medical freedom things. But after working with them for a couple of years, you know, I talk to them about foreign policy stuff and they 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 listen and they generally agree because they've heard my take. They trust me because I've worked with them on medical freedom issues and they're like oh will's good people like he's a good person like i think i could gen i can my I, I can listen to what he says because i don't i know he's not trying to like lie to me or like you know deceive me you know like i don't see him as the enemy and i really think that that's possible on the left you know when you talk to people uh when i you know i've, I've talked to some members of the green party uh about you know what we're doing in the Mississauga Libertarian Party, and they're very interested, you know, like, like, oh, okay, well, we agree on these issues. Maybe we should work together, you know. Uh, after the rally, maybe we should talk about the other things we agree on. We should try to knock out some of these things where we all agree on. <laughs> that, that, that's the power of coalitions is it brings people together. It's almost like it's building synapses between all these different political groups so they can, like, communicate and get things done. I've... Uh, I've actually been talking to uh, uh, Angela McArdle, the Libertarian Party. So maybe we need to have ambassadorships to other parties. Maybe we should have like send an ambassador to the Green Party convention so we can, you know, have a line of communication, you know, kind of like countries do, you know, so they can work together. Uh, I I would really love it if that's you know we all lowered the political temperature and started you know wandering outside of her bubbles every once in a while well we have more in common than that which divides us um, exactly. and same with every country that the united states is waging war in we uh, people on the ground everyone food shelter clean water uh, opportunity to grow spend time with their families uh friends whatever uh, spend time in nature like humans are very simple we and food needs to be nutritious but like it, it's like we all want the same things and it's this uh myth of scarcity that causes us to 
fight each other for it. Uh, and we could be living on a planet of abundance if we learn to collaborate instead of compete um, under this guise that there's not enough for everyone. So we must compete in this way. Um, and But yeah, until we start talking with people who disagree with us on many issues, uh, we're never going like, we're not strong enough uh, separated and they know that and it requires our unity. And then when we can get together, even on a single issue, it, it, it does help build that bridge. But then like, there's always more people than there are government and there are in the police state. And ultimately, if we would just get out into the streets together, like everyone, then we, like then we create change, but we're, we haven't been out in the streets. I, I was down in, um, in Chile, uh, right before the pandemic started and they, they had massive protests in every single city I was in. Um, and they, they're rewriting the constitution, uh, in Chile. And I, I'm not sure where it is at, at this point, but it's, it's only when people get out into the, in, I, I talked to a guy there. He's like, they raised the price of water to too high. People couldn't, couldn't afford water. That was one of the grievances, but like it, it you know, something like that can catalyze a, a nation to stand up and get out and stand up for their rights. And, you know, uh, Marley, get up, stand up, stand up for your right. Uh, no, it's just like, I appreciate you for, uh, inviting me on to have this conversation. And the more you can see your neighbor is not different than you, uh, every time they tell us to hate our neighbor for thinking differently, the more these conversations happen. And then people are willing to hear why we shouldn't be funding the military and police state that, uh, controls, uh, <laughs> everyone and everything under surveillance and fear. So, yes, there's a lot of uh, what I agree with in that. But I will be honest. You said a couple things just now that I would definitely di disagree with. But I, the, the, the thing about this is that I can tell you're coming to your arguments in good faith. Like, I don't think you're lying. And I, I, I don't like, like when we talk about abundance, obviously libertarians, we have a different economic view of the world. But I don't like the, the problem I have with like my 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 thought tribe is that there are some people who think that the reason why people think like like the the concept of scarcity, like some people think that in, in my in libertarian world that people use that like the, the, that there's no scarcity as. Uh, as a bad faith argument to try to like lure people into like socialism. And I, I think people like honestly believe that in good faith, that that is how it should be. So when I tried to approach those things, I say like, okay, I, you're, you were totally right about like, we all want the same things, but we have different ideas of like, what's the best way to get there. And I feel like when we have these coalitions where we talk about, let's work on the most important thing. Let's work on our like hierarchy of needs. Innocent people getting blown up with bombs should be like at the very top, <laughs> the very, very top. Uh, and, and we should work our way down. And then we can talk about these issues as we start to work together. We can talk about these issues as we get farther down. I think the left has uh, some really, and actually I kind of, I kind of feel like I came over from the left, so I still feel kind of like culturally still left, but I'm definitely uh, not in a lot of ways anymore. But I, I see the good faith intentions of a lot of people on the left, and but I also realize that we have some insights that may be really valuable. Like um, one of those insights that I was actually talking with Nick Branna from the People's Party is the um, – are you familiar with um, – uh, Certificate of Need Laws. Uh, enlighten me. Okay. So this is something I, I would really like to teach people on the left about, which is that there are these laws that are in place 
that actually limit the number of medical facilities in a certain geographical area, like a city or a, or, or, or a state, that say that we have to limit the number of medical facilities so uh, by law so there we won't waste money building them and it's like with libertarian economic insight we're all like oh dear god like that's horrible that's going to make medical care much more expensive than it otherwise would be because you're limiting the supply of medical facilities if you have more medical facilities they'll there'll be more supply it'll be cheaper like you you should want there to be more medical facilities but these laws are in place that actually like create artificial uh or artificial scarcity uh, of a service and i was talking to nick brand about it, he's like i've never heard about this before and i was like i know it's really terrible like i, I came from the left and and, and I can see all these things where like, oh my God, you guys need, absolutely need to know about this. Like, this is like horrific. Like, like I want to tell everyone about it. Like, it's like, this is one of the major reasons why, you know, medical care is so expensive. Like, how could they do this? Like, it's like I'm like furious about it. Like, and, and, and it's, so there's a lot of things we can teach us, but like I went to a, um, a meeting with uh, a bunch of Green Party people and they were teaching me about like all these different, they were telling me about like all these different like uh, ops that the US government did to like sabotage like the, the regimes in Cuba to like make the Cuban people artificially poorer than they would be. And I was like, holy crap, like I had no idea. Like, yeah, they would totally do that. And like, and, and like, that's horrific. Like, and like, there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of sharing that could happen if we if we talk to each other and uh I'm, I'm really i'm really looking forward to these coalitions building and where we can have this kind of like this like sharing of knowledge and minds and like start to like you know think a little bit harder about like what what ex who exactly is our enemy in all of this um well it's the state <laughs> yeah that's that's i mean that's kind of what it comes down to it's kind of boiling down it's the state and you know, honestly, too, it's it's the corporations because they are they are an, a creation of the state, and they serve the state. They are a they are, and I'm talking about obviously large corporations, not talking about like some guy who starts an LLC in his garage. I'm talking about like the big multinational ones, but the um, yeah, I, and it really is the decentralization of power. Personally, I feel like is the really the really important one. Absolutely, the solution needs to be decentralized. Centralization always—it—it's it, that struggle for power. And um, I believe it was James Madison who said, "All those those of power ought to be mistrusted. Um, all those in positions of power ought to be mistrusted." It's um, you know, I never. Adam oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry. Go, go ahead and say what you're going to say. I, I, mine's a little bit lo more long-winded, probably. Uh, I was I was just going to say I never uh, gave up my right to govern myself. Um, I, that is a inalienable. I uh, am, and as such, um, I have the right to determine what to do with my life, regardless of what the state tells me to do. Um, and so, yeah, people need to wake up to their, their power, their autonomy, their sovereignty, um, and then assert that, uh, and as we all do, so we'll recognize that, uh, we take our power back, um, that we, that we, you know, always had, but, uh, in apathy give up. Yes. Uh, one of my personal favorite uh, thinkers from the uh, the 19th century was Lysander Spooner, and he basically destroyed the. He wrote a couple of essays and and small books about just that just destroyed the concept of the social contract, where it's like you were born into a situation where a contract has already been written and signed for you, even though you never consented to it. Um, so uh, he was also uh, a very, very early abolitionist and super interesting thinker. Um, so.
So uh, I highly recommend that. Uh, yeah, Lysander Spooner. Um, did you have a, another uh, another ten minutes? Maybe we could take a couple of quick calls. Sure. Okay, I'm gonna open it up. If anybody wants to uh, hop in the queue and call in and ask a question, feel free. Just make it quick so we can uh, talk about it really fast, and we can get to a next the next caller, or, or maybe there's only one or two. So, uh, okay, we'll take uh, Pedro. Go ahead, Pedro. Hey, can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, Pineal has a really cool podcast. I, I posted a link on the chat, and uh, uh, I was just browsing, and it, it has really interesting subjects. I, I can just quickly read uh, three or four because uh, it's really interesting for the somebody who is listening. Uh, so the one is called "This is the Power of Animals." Uh, another one is called I'm a mom, that's my superpower. Another one that I like is called A Deficit of Empathy. So this seems really interesting. So I recommend everybody to to just go, go listen. Uh, so that's one thing I, I, I wanted to say. Another thing on the on the subject matter. So I promised myself to to not to, not to talk to this, uh, not to talk to this anymore, because uh, when I raise the sub subject with my friends, I feel that some of my friends are kind of looking me with kind of with a second look. <laughs> so it, it's regarding the the drama and the, the controversy on the on the on the on the Rage Against the War rally. So, so what happened is uh, last week, uh, some, a person I follow called Randy Credico, I don't know if you, uh, Will, Will, that's your name, right, Oregon? Uh, I don't know if you heard about Randy Credico. Do you know who, who he is? I don't know who Randy Credico is. Randy Credico is a, is a kind of a comedian, uh, but right now is a, he has a, 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 a radio show. He's a, he's a big advocate for anti-war and Julian Assange. He actually met with Julian Assange. Uh, he knows Julian Assange. So, so uh, I met him a couple of last year, two years ago at some Assange event and we kind of stayed in touch. Uh, but my point is that, uh, so he tweeted something about the anti-war rally. He, he was, uh, so, so some speakers like Medea Benjamin and Matthew Ho kind of uh, withdraw from the event and he, he was saying, oh, that's a good thing because these are just uh, bad people or something like that. And then I replied in a kind of a, a good fight reply on Twitter. My reply was, I can just read it to you. Uh, I said, this seems like a childish thing to do, to not speak at an event just because you don't like some other speaker, for whatever reason. Uh, and then I asked, uh, and the reason is, because I really don't, didn't know the reason why Media Benjamin or Matthew Hall got out, uh, so I just started an argument, and then uh, it's Twitter, right? So everybody started piling in. Uh, some people are against the, the the issue was the Larouche people. I never, I, I didn't even know who the Larouche people. So some people started uh, saying the the Larouche people are just bad, and then I, I look it up. Why, why are they bad? They are just protesting nuclear war. So. So, uh, and then I said, uh, I don't agree with the premise. It would be better to not stand next to people like that, in quotes. That was what some person said. And I said, this is an event where people with different beliefs share a common goal. Why not focus on a common goal and ignore the differences? So, yeah, so, so I, and then I promised not to talk about this anymore. But since you, you are talking about it, here I am again. <laughs> talking about this. So that's all I wanted to say, basically. Also, Will, uh, just for your information, I'm a regular speaker on this podcast on Friday nights with Peter Panarchi. Yeah, so I've listened to you and Peter talk 
Yeah. Oh, okay. And also Fahim is on the audience right now, and also Andrew, which lives in Seattle, and Andrew's going to meet Peter in, in the Seattle on the 19th, I, I think. That's so, great. yeah. Yep. That's that's all I wanted to say. If you have any comments, feel free. Otherwise, I'll just let Brent speak. Hi, Brent. <laughs> I, I know what you're going to ask, Brent, but that's okay. You have uh, any comments, or Will or Pinal? I really recommend uh, people to to go to listen to, to see Pinal podcast. It looks really interesting. I I, I really appreciate that, Pedro. Um, and no. Uh, real comment other than before this thing closes, I just want to throw in a Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, the real and lasting victories are those of peace and not of war. Mm-hmm. Are you by, by any chance familiar with Mal- Marion Williamson platform? Because the, the that empathy podcast you, you show, it looks very much like Marion. Uh, yeah, I, she's actually... Um, pro-Ukraine in this uh, situation, pro-war. Um, yeah, yeah. She, okay, al- yeah. she, also, she also had a very uh, questionable take uh, when we were trying to leave Afghanistan, saying that we should stay there to protect women uh, as if our presence in Afghanistan um, was positive for women. So uh, I, I find some of her um, uh, some awful. of her views She's to be a- problematic, uh, but yeah. she does speak to love. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting There's right now it feels like they're, she's going to be primarying Joe Biden and they're tr- the, um, left quote unquote independent media is trying to like coalesce around her, um, as opposed to ditching the entire democratic party. And so it's kind of interesting to watch right now. Yeah, I agree with you. She's awful at foreign policy. I don't know why, but uh, but I, I like that message of love and empathy. And she advocates for Assange too, you know. Yeah. Uh, what can we do? Uh, yeah. Well, that's all I had to say. So yeah. have a good night, everybody. Peace. Thank you. Thank you, Pedro. Pedro. I appreciate it. Yes, I, I also feel that a lot of my anti-war activism, the, the fire that burns me, that keeps me you know, like makes me keep doing work on this is that I, I do feel a lot of empathy for my fellow man. Like I watch some of these really horrible videos of like Ukrainian soldiers being killed of like Russian soldiers being killed. And I'm just like, you know, I feel like I, I'm watching, you know, my fellow humans, you know, it's almost like I'm, I'm like in a bar and I'm watching two people bar fight. And like, I just want to like, get with a couple other people and pull them off each other for a little bit and just like kind of calm them down and like deescalate things. Be like, you don't have to like, you know, draw so much blood, you know, like you can just, you know, calm down. It's not worth it. Like, 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 look, let's, let's lower the temperature, you know, but some people want to hand them like some brass knuckles and say like, and want to encourage them like, yeah, you should fucking kill that guy. You should like bash his eye out. Like, and I'm just like, no man, like, like, why are you doing this? You're going to eventually someone's really going to, really going to get hurt but already well, that, thousands of the thousands and thousands of people are dead and nobody seems to feel like man i should burn some calories making sure less people are dead so well it, it's interesting that's how i went vegan is watching hours and hours of slaughterhouse footage uh and the way we treat animals and so it really like sometimes seeing it um gets us like to connect with it, which is why it's so important for them to carefully craft their message and not show us the horrors of what's actually happening. Exactly. That's why the Vietnam War ended, right? Yeah. Uh, Brent, if you want to, if we could do this kind of rapid fire, I think I'm, I'm keeping uh, uh, our guests a, a little bit later than he originally was hoping. So if we could go ahead. What? You're up. Hi. So, um, I think Pino, he mentioned um, something about anti-war. And my question is, what is the definition of anti-war? That's the first question I have to ask. My definition of, oh, I'm getting an echo. Um, My definition is, uh, (laughs) so anti-war, anti-violence is choosing not to participate. when there is an engagement, uh, it's being the one to stand down. Um, it is not engaging. 
Um, and so uh, being anti-war uh, in the United States would be uh, closing our, what do we have, 800 military bases around the world um, and severely slashing our budget and getting rid of uh, many aspects of the uh, police state that has built itself up because that like literally the entire purpose is to uh, engage in violence uh, and sell weapons. Um, and so Einstein said peace can not be kept by force. It can only be achieved through understanding. Um, and so uh, as long as we uh, continue funding uh, and engaging because we think we are right and have the right to, um, the war will continue. Uh, and so it is only in calling for peace, uh, calling not to participate and calling out, uh, you know, every way in which we're terrorizing the world. We are the world's terrorists um, and every way in which we're doing so and stopping it, uh, that that is anti-war. OK, so um, I think a lot of people in different um Aspect of social media, where it's Colin or Twitter, they're they're criticizing this rally be, not because of the anti-war message itself, which I believe in. I believe the United States has invaded multiple uh, Middle Eastern countries without justification, and they've never been held accountable. And they continue to pump billions into Ukraine while uh, people are here in in America are starving. So that message I agree with. But when you claim such a moral position, I think it is fair to not to nitpick people's like if they're involved in like, they say inappropriate things about different social issues, not that shouldn't be relevant to the anti war rally. But what is relevant is people's positions on the same war that they're talking about like people like I, I look down the list one of the speakers Jackson Hinkle specifically is pro-Russian invasion and for if you're going to have an anti-war rally you should be, have a consistent anti-war message and this the imper the the in, inappropriate military industrial complex of the United States sh that criticism should also apply to Russia and any other country worldwide. And I know Oregon, he spoke about this in other Colin, and he said something along the lines of, oh, um, if someone says a pro-war message, it's actually a good thing to have people boo. Yeah. Um, my pushback to that is, if we can look at different social issues that we have, let's say uh, reparations for um, Black African-Americans here in the United States, if if there was a speaker who supported um, an issue uh, a, a specific reparations movement, yet um, on his or her YouTube channel is pushing for segregation in the black community, should that person be allowed to speak at a reparations rally? How about a, a, an environmental rally where um, you're pushing for the Green New Deal or um, reducing uh, CO2 emissions, where it's um, driving electric cars or something like that. If this person is pushing for, I don't know, is funded by a fossil fuel lobbyist or pushed for, um, I don't know, Hummers that use a lot of gas because they're being funded by the maker of Hummer, should that person be allowed to speak? I mean, we can go down the list and- Sure, sure. Um, I, I would say that uh, to my knowledge, everyone agreed to the list of demands that's listed on the rageagainstthewar.com. Um, and that's good enough for me. Caitlin Johnstone on Twitter, I don't know if you guys follow her, but uh, she has a tweet. Leftists should never attend a large anti-war rally that isn't populated exclusively by leftists. Instead, they should wait until there's a large anti-war rally that only leftists are speaking at and keep on waiting and just keep on waiting until we all die in a nuclear holocaust. Um, and so I don't think it's so much about parsing the uh, individual differences that you have with any single speaker. 
uh, more just the uh, the fact that it is an anti-war rally that you may disagree with some of the people on certain issues. But we're, we're talking about, we're not talking about a separate, like Jackson Hinkle in particular, yeah. for example, Brent, has many, Brent, said many things Brent, that-, Brent, that can, was, you, can, you, can you just keep it to like the next 30 seconds, just because I want to try to really quickly take the next two callers. 30-second rebuttal. Oh, oh I, I, I'm sorry. Okay. So, um, yeah, I guess we have to agree, disagree that um, you guys feel that as long as they they support the specific demands, um, that's okay. But I feel like if you want to get other people to your movement, they're going to be turned off by the basically the hypocritical um, approach when it comes to your speakers. So, I guess we'll end on that. So, that, thank that you. Thank you. Fair criticism. That is definitely a risk. I think it's mitigated by the by the crowd showing its vocal disreport, but we'll see. I'm not a perfect human. Like I, I, I will make mistakes, and I am trying. And we are all trying to bring together something that's really never quite been done, at least in the last few decades before. And we're all doing it for the first time. So if we do make mistakes, we'll we'll have to learn from these. Uh, but the vast majority of organizers that's really, I think are going to go this direction, but may, hey, maybe we're wrong, but we'll find out. But thank you. I, I appreciate the, 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 the good faith criticism, Brent. Uh, right, um, really quickly, uh, I, I, I know our guest has to go, so uh, I'll take the next two callers. If you can ask, keep your questions to like 30 seconds and then we'll do a 30 second res response. Uh, that would be great. I want to try to keep this under an hour. So go ahead, Derek. Yo, Brent, I think it's Peniel, by the way. <laughs> I'm not sure how you pronounced it. Penal or Peniel, something like that. Um, anyway, Peniel. Um, yeah, Emerson quotes. I love it. Have you read his essays? I, I've read a fair amount of his work. I'm a I'm a fan of him and Longfellow. And I, I actually, I had a, a poet on my podcast once, Dr. Kaman Kojuri, uh, who has a lot of uh, anti-war poetry as well uh, and, and love. Um, she's written a couple books. So um, I love poetry. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so you didn't grab drinks with uh, Jimmy after this uh, interview? Uh, no, ma'am. We, uh, I, it was a, it was uh, it was over Zoom. Uh, he smoked some pot at the beginning, and I was a little high. But um, there was no, uh, you know, he is a pothead comedian. And, yeah, yeah, fair enough. And I, I'm I in used to be in person. That's all. My, my uh, no, no, I, I, uh, I wish, man. Only Rogan can command that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you have to show up for his stuff. Right. All right. So, uh, uh, Oregon, you're the, uh, libertarian and member of the Mises caucus. Yes. And Peniel, you're the leftist who's far left of the, uh, Democrats and, uh, habitually votes green party. Uh, if you want to label me as such, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that, just to cut to the gist. Okay, so you guys uh, are both anti-war. It's fair to say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Please, please make the question quick. So. All right. Yeah, I'll try. Um, okay. So you can work together on anti-war. Uh, are there any other issues that you would prioritize that you think you could work together on as well? Thank you for the question, Derek. Uh, yes, I, uh, I'm i gonna move you from the speaker queue because I feel like that was your main question. Um, yes, I, I do think there are probably some other things that the anti-authoritarian left and the anti-authoritarian right and the centrist anti-authoritarians uh, can work on. Um, I, I did feel like I heard that, you know, like medical freedom is one. Um, you know, definitely with the past year with COVID, um, I'm definitely anti-lockdown, as I feel like a lot of people in the Jimmy Door left are. Um, Anti-police violence, like I, I want to end qualified immunity, uh, no-knock raids, civil asset forfeiture, police unions. Um, would would you say those are some? I would agree on every one of those. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah so I, I think there's other things like so after after we work in coalition on this one issue we could go our separate ways or we could see like hey there's a couple more things we can work on together i'd be down with that so um yeah uh, uh brady just because you were really patient i'm gonna let you speak but you got like 30 seconds to ask a question then i'm gonna try to let our our, our guest uh, get out of here uh go ahead no problem at all. Much appreciated for sticking around, guys. Um, Pineal, shouts out. I sent you a link in your DMs. And hopefully we can just end this debate once and for all tonight by saying that if I disagree with someone at one of these rallies, I'm going to march right up to them in their face with a camera in my hand, and I'm going to counter their whole philosophy publicly in front of everyone. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to defeat their idiot speech with better speech. Simple as that. That's the liberal stance on it. And if that's not your stance on how to deal with a situation like this, you're a synthetic liberal. You're not a real liberal. Um, bottom line, that's all there is to it. And so uh, all the synthetic liberals can step to their side, have their own party. That's fine. They don't want to participate in any real work anyway. Nothing's really changed. Let's not let them distract us from what we're trying to gain from this situation, which is real candidates on both sides of the national and local aisles, right? We want new candidates for every single political seat in the, in the state, for all, for both parties involved, right? And we want new anti-war music. We want new anti-war comedy. And we hope to stop the war, right? That is the goal. Stop the war, right? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank Regardless, you, appreciate as that. long as someone's appreciate fighting that. with us, they're our friend for now. After the war, we can, we can fight each other. After we stop the war, we or, can fight each other. Yeah, or, right? or, you know? or we could just have discourse with each other about areas we disagree and how that we can live in harmony together, being as we all share this planet and this land. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you, Brady. I appreciate that. Yes, I think we should create more anti-war music culture content. Um, uh, just really quick, a really quick plug, just because I do have to, I do eventually want to make uh, this comp get this company up and running. I am starting a peace focused coffee company called Peace Hot Coffee. Um, if you guys want to sign up for it, I will be launching in the next like couple of weeks. I uh, go to peacehawk.coffee is the website. Um, I am a libertarian, so I'm trying to put the market to work to do something I really care about, which is promoting peace and creating the peace industrial complex. Uh, if you're interested in that, I'm going to be donating a dollar of every bag sold to the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation, which you can go ahead and donate to if you want to. You don't have to buy my coffee. It's a great organization that I have thoroughly vetted with me and my wife uh, that's doing really great aid work in Yemen. Please go check out their website. It's the YemenFoundation.org. Uh, but uh, I'm going to try to create a virtuous feedback loop for and kind of create the alternative economy that supports really good causes like that. Um, that doesn't support Raytheon and Lockheed Martin and Halliburton. So um, yeah, it's a, it's in the episode description. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, I, I hope we all create our own thing that creates a self-sustaining virtuous feedback loop to, to promote peace and um, I'm really looking forward to this rally. I'm going to be bringing uh, a bunch of anti-war children's books, and I'm going to be bringing some flyers uh, for the Yemen Foundation to pass out at the rally. Um, we're going to, I think a lot of people are going to be trying to do a lot of really interesting things, and I, I really hope that this rally builds a lot of goodwill and, yeah, just kind of builds the synapses of the anti-war movement, so we're communicating with each other, we're we know who we are and we're, we're starting to like, uh, you know, work outside of our little bubbles and, and coalition. Cause I think there's a really great future between our, our different groups um, if we work together. So um, is there anything else you wanted to, to say, uh, you know, uh, fuck the state. Uh, and I appreciate you for having me. Well, yeah. Fuck the empire. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, uh, and I think we also uh, said that, you, you know, you're very kind to come on to my podcast. Uh, uh, I can also come on to your podcast next week and give kind of the uh, the uh, the uh, the debrief on like how the rally went and what what happened. Uh, if, if you're interested. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, cool. All right. 
Well, again, thank you so much for coming on uh, and thank you for uh, listeners. Uh, where can people go to hear your uh, podcast again? Oh, it's uh, available on Apple, Spotify, and Google and pinealpodcast.com. Um, and if you do listen, thanks for listening. Uh, and either way, Will, I really appreciate everything you're doing. So thanks, man. Indeed. Same. Everyone have a good night. Cheers. Cheers.